have anxiety Maybe you have it too If so, you're not alone They're spiraling just like you Okay, welcome back to Spiraling. I'm Katie. I'm Serena, and we are thrilled to be back. We're very excited to be back. It's so wild because we have not recorded. I was just thinking about this. Have we not recorded in like three months? More than that. More than that? I think we stopped recording like June, wasn't it? Like early summer. Oh my God, fuck. It's already October. I know. It's kind of wild though. It's It's been so fun to listen like re-listen to those conversations so recently Mm -hmm. because it felt like our entire winter encapsulated, even though we were still recording in June and that's technically summer, but now it's, we're having a, we're having a full circle moment. We just had indecision toast, (laughs) (laughs) half avocado, half some really fucking bomb apple butter that I got at the farmer's market this weekend. It was so good. We are ready to tackle your questions. Oh, we didn't even say that. Yeah. This is the Q&A episode. Yeah. And it's cool because I, Serena and I didn't know each other super, super well, but we like knew each other pretty well. And then I came over to record, like we told you for my podcast. And then basically ever since then, almost every Wednesday morning, I would come over and we would do this and we took a break from it. So it's really cool to be back in the swing of things. And I missed it. I did too. I'm excited. And we, so what we basically, the long and the short of what we're about to do is we asked if you guys had any questions after listening to the first six episodes of season one, and if you would submit them via email. So we have chosen a selection of those and we are going to answer them today. Well, do our best (laughs) to answer them. Maybe not provide answers, but like advice, support. Yeah, we read through them and I related to so many of them. And so I think we can definitely make people feel less alone with these questions and give, yeah, and give our best stab at advice. Yeah, our (laughs) thoughts. We'll call it our thoughts. Our thoughts. Okay, but first, what are we spiraling about? Do you want to go first? Oh, God. Um, Yes, I, well, okay, so I am in the midst of a giant, like anticipatory anxiety spiral, which it's been sort of an interesting past month. I was really in a good place this summer with my anxiety, which was lovely. You know, you have, I I had one of those very glorious long stretches where things felt really good. I also went on vacation. I was in that interim book phase. Also, I realized that this entire podcast has been like, has sort of aligned with my quote unquote book journey. So it's kind of interesting now a few months, we're now a couple weeks out from the launch, which is insane to think about. But this summer was sort of a nice lull. So I got lulled into that, not false sense of security, but just comfort zone with my anxiety where things were really on track. And then now, like, I want to say two weeks ago, I had like an, I would put it in the category of a panic attack. It was low grade, but I had not had one in, in a long time. I think the last time I had one was like early last spring. And I think we actually, that was one of my spirals talking about it, but I was like, Ooh, and, and just when you don't have one for a while, 
you sort of forget how terrible it is. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to go back into a cycle of this. And so I've been paying really close attention the past sort of couple weeks of like making sure that I'm doing all of my things that I know help keep me on the straight and narrow. But leading up to this book launch, because I'm going to be on tour for three months and there's like so much that has to get done. And I do have wonderful support and people have been so wonderful, including Katie, like pimping my shit everywhere and making sure that I feel like I'm keeping it together. But I'm really, really tired. And for me, sleep is so important for keeping my anxiety in check. And so I feel like I've gotten off my sleep routine a little bit and I'm it's making me feel little crazy pants. And I am now very grateful that this many years in, I can check the spiral. So I'm like, oh, like I have to be in this place and like I have to send this email and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be, I already am thinking about all of the things that could potentially make my anxiety worse. So I'm like, I'm going to be so tired when I'm on the road and I'm going to be sleeping in strange beds and I'm going to be doing all these things. And I'm like, okay, how can I rein it in? And like in the past, I probably wouldn't have recognized that anticipatory anxiety that was making me start to buzz all over. And I'd just be like, what's happening? Like everything is out of control and crying and bitching about it and whatever. So I am very grateful that I like recognize this now. So I'm really trying to, I don't know how I'm going to fix the sleep thing right now. It's, I'm really struggling with it, to be honest. But again, like even I just said reflexively how I'm going to fix it. And I know that like, I can't fix, I need to yeah. just manage, manage. Yeah. So that's sort of where I am right now. And also the funny thing is like, I am also super excited. And when I get really, really, really excited, my body like registers, my brain registers it as anxiety. So, yeah. so I opened my book last week and I like, I cried, like I sort of teared up a little bit. And then I was like really excited and I opened on Instagram and I was talking about it. And then like, I did it live. And then I turned the live off and was like sort of having a panic attack because I was like, it's the adrenaline and it was like coursing and I was like, Oh, I feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the mixture of like fatigue, anticipation, anticipation, <laughs> anticipation and excitement. And so that's my spiral. Although I do feel like it's a contained spiral right now. It's not getting larger, although it's not getting smaller either. So. <laughs> well, I think what you're good at is that like, I heard this recently about anxiety of like, it's a responsibility to manage it like it's you have to be very responsible like you know it works for you Mm -hmm. keeping that in check and I think you're really good at that and that and you have to be even better about that right now and you're doing to say that it's a spiral that's contained shows how well you do with your responsibility to manage it you know thank you yeah like that yeah (laughs) it is true though I actually think that's an important concept and also when I was talking about with somebody recently where they were like do you ever just get exhausted at the thought that you have to manage this forever? And I was like, ah, I think it's all in the framing. The truth is, is that responsibility to manage it, I think for my anxious brain, I like responsibilities. And I like like to-do lists and things like that. So I'm like, ah, I don't know, like doing my workout and eating properly and taking my CBD and like whatever, like it actually feels good to do those things. And like then... I also have that sort of self-validation when I am doing those things that I'm like, 
You're doing great, sweetie. Keep it up. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> I really, like Chris Jenner myself. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really important and useful to like like we were saying, I think in the career episode about school for you, how it was like it really gave your brain a bone to like yes. chew on, you know, and it gives your anxiety something to chew on when you like have somewhere to put stuff. And I yes. think that's really crucial of like when you can put your anxiety into a project, somewhat we had a spiraling dinner. We did all together. And I think it was whoever was sitting where I'm sitting now in our recording Allie. studio slash Serena's dinner table. Help yes. is hell. Everyone yes. follow her. She's Allie said this wonderful thing where she was like actually I think it was when we were cleaning up. Anyway, at some point during the evening, she said this thing about putting when you have a lot of anxiety, putting it towards a creative project really, really helps. And like, absolutely, that's been so helpful for me lately of just like choosing something to focus on because I was doing a million different things and like giving your anxiety a lot of things to focus on is almost worse. So if you can just hone in on like yeah. what you have to do that day, we were talking about that earlier, is really helpful. Love it. Tell me My what spiral. you're spiraling about. Okay, so update for me, because like you were saying, this podcast has been such a capsule of like our year. Yeah. Our, it's, we've really, you know, grown and changed on it. It's been your book journey, my like weird breakup move travel year journey. <laughs> Big year for you. It's been more change in the last nine months than my entire life altogether. It's your cocoon year. Yeah, definitely. And so next year, that means I'm going to be a butterfly. Yes. Great. <laughs> Great. 30 flirting and thriving. Metamorphosis. Yes. Yeah. So basically I, friends would tell me and people listening to the podcast, things that they heard me talk about on the podcast over this winter. And I was like, oh, I I almost cringed a little bit because I was like, oh, I was kind of experiencing like the worst of my depression and anxiety kind of during these months, which is why this was such a cathartic project. But I was like, oh, I, I can't go back and listen. And kind of reminding me of, of this was such a bright spot, but like moments of like, wow, I have been through an arc this year. And I think I'm in such a better spot now recording this with you than a lot of the episodes that we recorded earlier this year. And yeah. like, I remember one morning even coming over and being like, I can't record today. Like it was April and raining. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. And we just like, but we were both kind of going through it that day and we like sat over there anyway. But I guess what I've been spiraling about recently has been like a smaller scale spiral, which, which shows that, you know, I, I moved and I traveled and I moved again. And now I'm in a spot where I'm like grounded for a couple months and I'll probably be traveling again a little bit before I like really root somewhere. And that's just, I don't have travel anxiety, but that's just a lot of change. And that's a lot of like jarringness for one person. And I realized how that's affected me much like sleep for you. I haven't been great at that either, but like how that affects my anxiety so much, just the amount of change and being in New York for a certain amount of months ahead of me just feels really good to not be moving. But I did have to figure out the travel I am going to be doing the next few months. And I don't have travel anxiety that a lot of people do have, which we were going to say this anyway. We got a couple questions about travel anxiety and we're not going to talk about those today because we don't really have. Yeah. Well, not so much travel anxiety because sometimes, because we do like experience that in a larger sense, but a lot of the questions were about flying anxiety. Neither of us have any issue with flying. So it's not something we feel comfortable tackling. We're going to have somebody on next season to speak to that specifically. Yes. Yes. So anyway, that's that. And I was just saying the 
piece of my anxiety that has to do with travel. And I wonder if you have this. We haven't really talked about this. Booking travel. Like, think it goes back to oh my, my indecision. God. I do not book travel until the last minute. Like, Logan wants to murder me. And this fucking Labor Day, I didn't book until the last minute. And it, the flight was booked. Logan and I had to take two separate flights an hour and a half apart to come home. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm yeah. So what I, my, this really ties it. And we are going to talk about indecision on this episode, but, and this is definitely tied to that of when I should book a flight, what time, how long I'll be in a certain place that takes so much energy and causes so much anxiety. And the anxiety spiral I was having yesterday was all about, like I said, I'm finally going to be in New York for a set amount of months, but I have like two work travel things that I have to do. And I'm, figuring out what I'm going to be doing for Thanksgiving and Christmas and like where I'm going to be for the holidays. And so that just caused so much anxiety. And there's a lot tied to that of like, I don't want to disappoint. It, it, I think this is going to be the first Thanksgiving that I'm not spending in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And that feels really good and really adult for me to do something different. But that conversation with my mom is giving me <laughs> so much anxiety. <laughs> that sounds and I know it's the thing that I need to do and want to do, but I also know it's going to be challenging and difficult for her. And it's something I need to do to like rip off a bandaid and create that adult boundary, but I'm terrified. And then it just goes into like, when should I book this flight? And when should I do this trip and that trip? Yeah. Hi, Amy. (laughs) You better, you better have that combo before this goes out. (laughs) I know I need to do it like, Like, sorry, Amy, Katie's not coming over. I know it's also her birthday around this time. Oh God. I know. I know. It's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So in general, you're having more of a like, again, this is sort of an anticipatory spiral. It's not anticipatory for this conversation. No. Yeah. In general though, like you're, you're thinking about all like so much of anxiety and having, you know, an anxiety disorder is anticipatory. You're like anticipating this conversation. You're anticipating all the travel that you're going to do. And I think that's the hardest type of anxiety to manage. But I think the most comforting thing that, you know, we've talked about endlessly in real life and past episodes of the podcast is like, we can't control the future. Mm -hmm. So like we can control the actions that we take right now to, that will impact our future. But in, in the sense of like, sometimes anticipating somebody's response to something like your what your mom is going to say about this. I bet it's far worse in your head than it's going to be in real life. Maybe you not. haven't <laughs> met my <Yeah>, Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's but, hope you're right. <laughs> but a lot of times I think we create worst case scenarios in our head. That's just yeah. where we go first. And then the anticipation of the actual event is far totally worse than the event itself. Yeah. I don't think I told this story on the podcast before. A friend of mine who's also an anxious fellow was at this retreat center. Did I tell this already? No, I'm just laughing. You said <laughs> fellow. I know. <laughs> I'm so weird. It's like so old timey. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, his name is Adam and he he's a comedian. He talks about his anxiety a lot, but he was at this retreat place or something like 
I want to say Hawaii, but it, adjacent to maybe South America, whatever. And there were all of these <laughs> dogs. <laughs> some Hawaii sort of like, South I know it was okay. It was some sort of tropical place. Yes. And there were these dogs where they have snakes because there were these dogs that just like laid around on the property. And he, he went to, it was like a meditation retreat or something. And their one, they actually had a purpose and it was to catch these snakes. Like their purpose the was to eat the snakes. If the snakes come, like that's what they do. These like, but these I'm like trigger warning for anyone with the fear of snakes. I know, but which is actually my mom. <laughs> I am fucking terrified of snakes. So is my mom. Like she can't uh. even like, yeah, I have so many stories on that. This is like the Amy episode. <laughs> anyway, so there's these dogs job is to eat. Trust me. Just trust me on this. Stay with me here, people. So their job is to eat the snakes, but all day long they're lying around and they're like swimming and they're eating snacks and they're just lying around. But in their minds, they're not anxious because if they were, like, they might at any second have to go and attack a snake and have this very intense, scary thing happen, mm -hmm. but they're not anxious about it. Yeah. They're not, they're just, so if we could just like be like animal, these animals and just not be anxious about a future problem, yeah. because those are future problems. Like that's not even happening right now. But like all of yesterday, I was thinking about this conversation with my mom and booking this travel. And if I, what if I do this? And there's something in New York that I miss and I'm sad that I'm gone. And like, just spiraling. Yeah. And it's not even like happening in the moment. I think it all comes back to like, if I can just be present, I don't have to like worry about the future snakes. Oh my God. <laughs> Excellent metaphor use. <laughs> Thank you. you so you had that. to stay with me for the say, geography no, totally issues there. <laughs> a lot of geography issues. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's try and be more like the dogs in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's so hard for me, man. It never, <laughs> just disclaimer people, it never like really, we can be doing our best, but like it never goes away fully and that's okay. I know. Like, we're fine. You know what we're I've been fine. thinking about too is like when I'm not anxious, when I'm having yeah. an okay moment, usually it's like I've tended to be really, both my depression and anxiety, which is I, I found for a lot of people it's opposite, is really hard in the mornings. Like mornings are really hard for me. Evenings I like tend to be pretty good. I like have my bedtime routine. I do it. I, I go to sleep. But when I'm having like, so in the evening, usually when I'm like feeling really good and filled up and whatever, I've been trying to acknowledge that and be like, huh, not feeling anxious right now. Cool. Yeah. Because I'm so used to like noticing when I am. Mm -hmm. So that's been useful to me of just being like, notice how you're not anxious. Remember that too. Remember that. And remember that feeling exactly is, that is one of my biggest management tools is like the, you know, that my little spiel and you you've been here before, you always come out the other side. But like, that is what, when I'm saying you always come out the other side, like I do attach that feeling of happy calm yeah. to that. Like, I'm not saying that out loud. Like you can always come out the other side, insert feeling of happy calm. But like yeah. I experience that yeah. in my brain when I'm like, you always come out the other side. Cause I'm like, I do remember what that feels like. And I do think in particularly, I want to say uh, to anybody who's new to anxiety, you may not remember what that happy calm feels like, but you will get back there. And when you do, latch onto that with yeah. all of your might. Because that's a wonderful reminder to like make note at night when you are feeling Yeah. Because I think I can go through such long periods of just generalized, right, feeling in yeah. my chest, like super low-grade anxiety. And then when it lifts for a second, I'll have brief moments of it lifting and then it will come back. But like, hopefully I can stretch those brief moments to be longer and longer. And, you know, it goes up and down, but 
lately I've been able to stretch them a bit longer, which is a real improvement. (laughs) Okay. Should we get through these questions? Yes. Let's get to these questions. Okay. So here's, first of all, thank you so much to everyone who wrote in questions. Um, It was really cool to hear from you. And we're going to answer as many as we can here. There were a couple that were repetitive that we blended together. Yes. But here we go. Okay. So the first question she said, Love your podcast. Thank you. My question is, have you ever felt self-doubt or like people think you are being annoying when you're reaching out to friends, et cetera, to make plans? If so, what are some of the things you do to overcome this? Okay. (laughs) I think I should start with this right (laughs) off the bat and then just really go to Serena for all of her advice because she read this and didn't really relate, right? I No, I I relate. When, like, what, the first thing I read was, have you ever felt self-doubt? I was like, bitch, yes, like all day, every day. But like, and then I kept reading it and I was like, wait, like, that I fe- do I feel annoying when reaching out to friends to make plans? And like, I do not relate to that part. So we will talk about why after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just. This. I also love you guys. Like, I wish you could have seen Katie and I reading through all the questions because, like, both of us when we related to something, we're like, oh yeah, totally. And the other one was like, what? <laughs> yeah, this is great. This really shows that like you and I doing this yes. are perfect because we really hit both sides of this. Okay, I will just say I relate to this one thousand percent. And the the second part of your question of how to overcome this, I'm really going to refer to Serena on because I don't have a ton of advice for you, to be honest. But I will say this, just to make you feel less alone, I do this all the time. That feeling, what you say specifically, the feeling of being annoying when reaching out to friends to make plans. I I think this is a friend issue. And I think Serena ha- will have some good advice about this. I have certain friends in my life who are so cozy, who no matter what, I can reach out to them And I know they're going to call me back or text me back and it might take them a minute, but I have no anxiety about like what's going on with them. But honestly, I never felt like I related to this question until this year because when I was in a relationship and I'd kind of always been in long-term relationships until this year, I didn't feel the pressure on friendships as much as I did this year. And that was really both hard for me. And I think a beautiful thing, I it made my friendships deeper and closer, but I started to ask a lot more of friends. I started to like, I even said to my best friend who I just lived with for three weeks before I moved, like, she's so wonderful to me. But I remember like right after this breakup, I said to her, like, I'm going to need to see you like at least once a week. And she was like, okay, but like, I'm going to Paris next week and I'm traveling. <laughs> and she's like, you know, that's like impossible. And when you were dating Nick, like I would go like months and months without seeing you. And like, what is this suddenly like need for me? Like, she's like, clearly this is like an issue with you. And I was like, now I can see how ridiculous that was. But in the moment I just was like clasping on to, I was grasping onto anything that felt safe and felt cozy. And so I think that that feeling of being annoying or reaching out, I would say like, look at yourself and what you're, what you're needing from them and see if you can give that to yourself first of like that sense of like safety and, and closeness. Cause you might not be getting it. If you're not getting it from yourself, you're putting that pressure on your, on your friends. And I think that when I finally was able to be like, okay, this is a problem with my need for safety and knowing that like, if someone says they can't with plans, like it's okay, I'm okay. It's not a pressure that, that is something that's helped me lately of just like saying something when I need to and not 
holding on to that. Does that make sense? I think that was beautifully articulated. And I actually think you just gave amazing advice. Okay, great. I self-doubt even for my answer. (laughs) I was going to, I want to reiterate exactly what you said about, first of all, I think the reason, please, I do. And now I'm like, now I have anxiety that people are like, oh, like she like thinks that she's, everybody wants to hang out with her and whatever. So this is like how anxiety is now spiraling in my mind. (laughs) But I think that I'm somebody who has, I don't know how to put this without it sounding like. No, about your friend group. I, yes, but like I have tiers of friends. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I mean, now I'm terrified that somebody's going to listen and be like, what tier am I? But like, I have like my first tier friends who are like my fucking family. Yeah. Like, they have been, mo- and most of these are either, you know, college high school or like people I have known since birth. Like I do not have, like, that's the truth is like, I don't have anyone at this stage post college that I would be like, they are my family. But like, I, I just, even if I am annoying them, I don't care. Cause they're my it's family. Like a sibling it's a sibling type yeah, relationship. Like, I just don't think about that. Mm-hmm. I don't think about, am I annoying them? Because the truth is, <laughs> Sometimes they annoy me and I don't love them any less. So I have to extend myself that same courtesy, so to speak. But I'm like, if I am annoying them, and one of my best friends has openly said that she was like, I feel like if either one of us annoys each other, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't affect our relationship in any way, shape or form. So then I have like second tier friends and third tier friends and then friendly acquaintances mm-hmm. and like up to the third tier friends. Those are people that I like love to see, want to hang out with on a regular basis. Friendly acquaintances are more people I run into a lot, but I don't make specific plans with. Mm-hmm. But I think you gave really wonderful advice in regard to overthinking interactions mm-hmm. with friends or strangers in an earlier episode where you're saying that like Simi's husband, Tim, is that his mm-hmm. name? Mm-hmm. Simi is one of is one of Katie's best friends is like, would Tim still be thinking about this mm-hmm. interaction? And like that sort of I try to put myself in other people's shoes when I'm having anxiety about something or think about it from a non-anxious person's perspective. I don't know Tim, but like a yeah. Lo- Logan is my Tim. Yeah. Like the concept of Logan feeling like weird about asking a friend to hang out is like so hilarious totally. to me. <laughs> because like Logan regularly like texts somebody on like a Saturday and is like, hey, like, do you want to come over and watch the Eagles game? And like, and I, this could also just be a male thing, but like, I'll see a text come in and be like, nah, I'm not in the mood. Like, I don't think women <laughs> would like rarely, like, we'd be like, I'm so sorry. I'm feeling a little bit tired. And yeah. like, maybe like, whatever. But like, he's like, nah, I'm not in the mood. And like, I see that. And like, he doesn't even flinch. Like, he's right. just like, oh, Jeff doesn't want to come over. And you're like, <laughs> Okay. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah. And the, okay. So, what is the thing about Tim and Logan that you say all the time? Uh, I think this really like hits this point home about Logan that he's the most. Oh, he's the most secure person ever. So, I think it's like part of this is anxiety. Part of this is developing a sense of security. You articulated that so well just now, like about being secure and confident, and like knowing that. I mean, this is going to sound really harsh, but I think if you're texting a friend and they are annoyed that you want to hang out with them, like maybe that's not a great friend for you. And like, I know I'm also speaking from a, a, a place of privilege because I know that 
not everybody has close friends in their life that they can count on. And so just being like, you shouldn't feel like embarrassed or weird or like you're being annoying if you're texting your best friends who are like your family. And then if you're sitting there listening to this being like, I don't have any of those, then that's a slightly different scenario. But I stand by the fact that anybody who's annoyed with you about wanting to hang out with them is probably not somebody that you should be spending a lot of your time with because you deserve to spend time with people who are excited to spend time with you. And I think that we have enough as people with anxiety, uncertainty and indecision and self-doubt to grapple with without worrying that the people who in theory, friends are meant to support you, not endlessly and unconditionally. People are not a bottomless well of support for, you know, other humans. But in general, friendship is meant to be between two people who are supporting each other. It's a two-way street. But I just, I think that feeling like you're being annoying when you're reaching out to friends should be like the bottom of one's anxiety list. Yeah, I think so too. And I think going back to what you said about having different tiers or categories of friends, my best friend, like I said, when I was just being very needy to her and she totally got that. And she was really great in saying to me, like, it's okay. You're going through something right now. And I know that if I was going through something like this, that you would be there for me. And that made me feel so much better to be like, I know I need her more right now than she Mm -hmm. needs me. But if that ever changes, I'm going to be so happy to show up for her in the way that she showed up for me. And that felt really good. And then she said she sent me actually this man repeller article, which I'll put in the in the show notes. But it it talks about like you're going to have friends, and I'm kind of using quotes, who are the people you kind of send funny memes back and forth with. And you'll have like your work friends and you'll have like friends for these different areas and like not expecting every person in your life to be at that, like for what Serena said, that family level or that sibling level. And I think I'm really happy we're having this conversation. I think we even, I don't know if you remember this. I think we even toyed with the idea of doing an entire friendship episode Yeah, because I think this is actually really interesting. I think we should probably do that. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting conversation now that we're having it of like, I'm an only child. I don't have siblings and I not being in a romantic relationship right now, I realized how important my friendships were to me this year. And and I did get more needy. And I really had to look at that as like a self-reflection thing of like, I know that something's off with me when I'm retyping my text to someone yeah. and being like, is this okay? Oh, and then I'm like, I've been going through, and this is something that like, I think I actually talked about as one of my spirals in one of our episodes was just me being like, a friend hasn't texted me back and I'm freaking out. Yes. And that's become like, my therapist pointed out to me as like a pattern. She said it last week. She's like, well, Katie, you know, you do, you've done that, you know, before you, this breakup or before this like instability in your life. I'm just like, like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, isn't it great how therapists can like show you your patterns. And I was like, oh shit. Like that is a thing that I do. Like if someone doesn't text me back, I make it about, about me when really it's just like, and I, it's almost like, a valve needing to be released because it's like all my anxiety is pulling there and then I'll get a text from that and I'm just like obsessing, obsessing, obsessing. And then suddenly I'll get a text being like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I was taking my kid to something or like they have lives. They're not thinking about me, but I'm obsessing about it because I'm feeling insecure. It's an insecurity issue. Yeah. And I think that relationships, friendships and relationships with spouses, partners, et cetera, you're not always on an equal playing field in terms of your emotional needs. There are 
highs and lows and yeah. and things ebb and flow and exactly what you said you want to support the people that you love and be there for them and the one thing that I will say to the person who asked this question is I would challenge you to potentially reframe this and wonder if instead of annoying people if that quality of reaching out to make plans might be one of the things that your friends appreciate most about you because I always talk about this with certain friends of mine I love that they make shit happen in the sense that I will get a text from, you know, one of my best friends who's really good about this stuff and be like, hey, dinner tomorrow. And like, what's so funny is all of us are like, everyone's busy. They probably can't have dinner tomorrow. But the truth is, is like most of us can. The crazy thing is when you're coordinating with a group, sure, it might take like forever. But like, I'm always like, actually, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, like, and then I get there and I'm like, thank you so much for having us do this. I missed you. Or like, yes. I was really like, want it. And she was like, oh yeah, I've just been thinking about you all week. And like, I wanted to do this. And I was like, that's so wonderful. And it's one of my favorite things about her. So maybe you are the person that maybe your friends aren't annoyed. Maybe that's what they love about you. Yeah. And sometimes like getting there is half the, yeah, half the battle. Totally. And like, I, I think with friendship too, you have proximity friends that are easy and you can hang out with more frequently. You have long distance friends, but I think a big a big thing is just having those consistent friends of like your friendships will be deeper if you keep it tight, basically. Yep. Like my, my grandma would always say, you can count the five people that you're really close with on one hand. Yep. And that's another big piece of my friendship anxiety is around, and I, I don't want this to come off as sounding weird, but it was something like my ex-boyfriend would always say to me of like, you just know a lot of people. And I yes. think it's because of what I do. And I've always been this Absolutely. way. Like even in high school, I was like the kid who was friends with everyone. And that can be stressful of like, I have a lot of friends in a different, in a lot of different places that I have a lot of anxiety around. Is everyone feeling included? Can I blend yes. friends? And I think your tier system, you, you helped me with this last week off mic about a spiral I was having yeah. about that of just being like, keep your friends in these different categories and that's okay. You don't have to constantly blend groups and that just takes the the pressure off a lot. Have you too. ever, I can't remember what book it is, but it's called Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? Yes, Mindy Kaling's <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And like that, I've, I've never read it. I just thought the title was hilarious because like, I just think it's that's really something good. that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. And I just think FOMO is like such a waste of brain space in general, but that's, that's, this is a tangential thing to this question and we have to keep this tight. Katie and I, before we started, we're like, oh mm -hmm. God, so many questions and we love to talk. But anyway, I just think to tie this up with a bow, I would challenge you to reframe and think maybe this is a positive quality you have, but also assess who your friends are and how you're spending your time with people so that you feel your best. Yes. And only be around people who make you feel really great. Yes. Like I've had, and again, I'm really thinking this should maybe be a separate yes. podcast because I yes. have time on this, but like I've been around people who I feel self-conscious near them, even though I really like them, but they just make me feel yeah. less than. Try to cut those people out of your life if you can yeah. in a loving way. And we should talk about this more because yeah. I have more to say about friendships. So Ditto. next question. Next question. Sorry, <laughs> Put <guys>. a pin <laughs> in. <laughs> okay. I've generally always been indecisive, but only recently have I been able to associate it with anxiety as it's gotten to be more intense. Indecision now leaves me paralyzed in many situations, feeling like no matter what I choose, I'm going to experience some kind of regret and never truly be satisfied. It's gotten to the point where it happens with the tiniest things. 
i.e. last week I went to the grocery store to buy a few frozen meals for the nights that I'm rushed to find time for dinner. And I spent at least an hour just staring at the frozen meal section of Big Y, picking up meals and putting them in my cart only to put them back in the freezer again. I was trying to find the best deals price-wise, but also the healthiest option ingredient-wise, and then I'd start stressing about the calories and what it would taste like and if I would rather eat A or B or W. At some point, one of the workers came up to me to tell me that they were closing in five minutes, but quote, no rush. I didn't even realize I'd become the only person in the store at this point. And so I thanked him for letting me know, waited for him to round the corner, and then put everything back in the freezer and rushed out of the store empty-handed. And that's just buying frozen meals. You can imagine when it comes to things of greater value. So my question, what are ways you cope with indecision? What are strategies you use to help you make decisions or feel okay to make decisions? To not obsess over regret or worry that you won't be satisfied with the outcome. This is such a good question. Oh, I just want to hug this person <laughs> and her frozen meals because I so, I have been there. I have been there in tiny things. I've been there in big things like we discussed at the beginning. But I, I realized actually from Adam, who's getting a lot of airtime in this episode too, because he has anxiety around decision making and realized from a lot of therapy that it's actually got diagnosed as OCD, where okay. we'll, we'll make a decision, reverse the decision, make the decision again, which is what she's talking about here of like putting stuff in the freezer and back. Yeah. And you get dopamine from thinking you got it right. And oh. then you get dopamine when you reverse it. You're like, no, 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 this is right. And so he would like, before his standup, he would change his shirt like four or five times to get the right shirt. Oh. And I do that with things too. Like I'll be like, oh, but if I wear this outfit, I'm not wearing that tomorrow. But I, it really, really comes up a lot for me around food and what I'm eating. And I just want to give, it, it is an OCD thing, especially at this level. So I would look into OCD Anonymous has been really useful for Adam. So there's some, you know, just reading about that, talking about that in therapy and just like maybe posing that to your therapist, getting into therapy. If you're not for this person, I think would be really useful and talking about this. There's a lot of different strategies that can be useful with this. I've done a plethora of things this summer, which I'm sure we'll talk about in some episode, but hypnosis and like working in another like therapeutic way with someone, like I've done all of the things to really, because this is such a debilitating thing, this OCD around decision-making. I don't think it's talked about enough. I think people think of OCD in a very specific way of like Absolutely. washing, washing your hands, hands or like doing yeah. the doorknob. And I don't have those things. Mine is this. And it's almost like what I say about addiction with food and, you know, eating disorder stuff. It's like, I think it's one of the hardest things to deal with because unlike alcohol or drugs, you can't just stop doing it. And you yeah. can't just stop with the decisions. Like they're always going to be part of your life. And this question is so indicative of that OCD, like the way you wrote it so specifically really makes me think that it's very similar to what Adam and I experienced. So I would look into OA or it's not OA, that's the Overeaters Anonymous, OCDA yeah. <laughs> or whatever it's whatever. called. There's so we'll many find, of them. We'll yeah. We'll give you some called. resources. And then also I've, I've went to like a Skype meeting once it was useful. It was interesting, definitely. and made me feel less alone, much like hearing this question and maybe hearing my response to this question hopefully does for you. My episode of my podcast with Adam goes into this more, so we'll link to that. But also I would, I want to pose to you, if you relate to me at all, I'm wondering if you've experienced this anxiety specific to food, because you do write in your question, you were looking for the healthiest option ingredient wise, and you were stressing about the calories, which makes me think that you like me might be someone who 
has issues with food and body image. Like so many people do, but I would just look at that as well when thinking about this, because I was telling Serena before we recorded, a lot of my indecision has to do with food and making the perfect choice or the right choice. And just knowing that like there isn't a perfect choice and not every meal is going to be perfect. And you have to at some time just do your best and make the decision and move on and just know that like, it's not the decision. It's this, it's the anxiety that's making this so uncomfortable. So that's what I would say. Give me your advice. Serena. (laughs) (laughs) I think what you just said specific to this question, you are really in fuego today. I think in general though, when we talk about decision-making, this is something that especially being self-employed, Katie and I talk to each other about a lot. It's something that I think particularly for anxious people, anxiety can pool in decision-making. And when, when you have so many decisions to make every day, what I've found is that I really, I find it very helpful to pare down decision-making to the bare minimum. I am somebody, I personally love clothes, but it's like, people have great success with a work uniform because then you just get out of bed. Same thing with eating the same breakfast every day. It's like certain routines can eliminate needless decision-making. So getting up in the morning and knowing exactly what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear, that kind of stuff makes it easier on your brain. But I also find that if I, for example, the reason I hated wedding planning so much Mm -hmm. was like, I do not care about the forks. However, if you show me 50 forks, I'm going to look at all 50 and be like, hmm, and then I'm like, you don't give a fuck about forks. Why are you doing this? But like, I can't stop myself from being like, hmm, like maybe this one. So like I ended up telling my wedding planner, please never present me with more than two options. I only ever want A or B. Like that's, and it made such a difference going like after the forks. (laughs) It was like, you know, lilies or you know, gardenias. It's like whatever yeah. it is. Also, those are two terrible examples. <laughs> like, but I think in general, if you can pare down decision making, and I will try and force myself to only make decisions about large things. And when it comes to like teeny tiny details, like it's wonderful to if you're a detail oriented person, that is great. But it's also a reminder that every decision you make causes fatigues your brain. Mm. So I also will be like, okay, these are decisions I have to make. And sometimes you have to make detail-oriented decisions. So when I go through phases, for example, like working on this book tour or planning a wedding or doing something like that where I'm required to make a lot of decisions, I will take decision-making out of other areas or, or outsource it to other people. If you're in a relationship, you know, like maybe you can have your spouse or partner be like, if we're going to order takeout, I'll be like, look, you choose. And the truth is, is then you actually have to be okay with letting yeah. that other person choose. You can't let them choose and be like, mm, that's not what I wanted. Because if you know what you want, then you should just be making that decision. Right. But in general, just being like, you choose and then him choosing and me being like, oh, thank God. Or like what move, there's nothing I hate more than what movie do you want to watch? I'm like, oh my God, I don't care. I will watch any movie in the world as long as I don't have to pick it. Yeah. So I think letting people pick, but that brings us into the, like, how do you not obsess over regret or worry that you won't be satisfied with the outcome, which is so interesting to me because I, have you ever seen Sliding Doors? No, oh, yes. I oh my God. Movie. 
But like, that is a perfect example. Like the one thing that has given me so much happiness and freedom. And like, I have only like, lest you think I'm a well-adjusted human for, or I've been one forever. Like this is something that's been in the past year. Yeah. Letting go and realizing that like, I cannot control the future. You can't control the outcome past a certain point. You could be like, oh, I don't want to miss this party. But like, you could skip this party and then meet your future spouse walking down the street that day, you oh know, God. like, yeah. or you could go to the party and break your leg on the dance floor. I don't know. But like, there's always something really great that could happen or really terrible that could happen regardless of the decision. And I think just being like, I'm going, instead of laboring, like now I actually have started making not split second. Like I am a, I am a rational analytical thinker. So I will give decision-making its due, but like just being like, I like this and then sending, you know, like if I get an email about something, do you like the blue or the, or the white? Mm -hmm. I will think about it and I will look at it. And if my first decision is the blue, I think old me would have been like, I'm going to sleep on it and then not fucking sleep because I'm thinking about the blue or the white. Now, if I'm like, I like the blue then I send that email or I check the box that says blue and I stop thinking about it. And that is so much easier said than done. And I know the person's like, cool, thanks. That's what I'm trying to do. But it is like exercise. Decision-making is a practice. The more that you do it, the stronger the muscle gets. So it's like, I used to not literally exercise at all. And then I started exercising. And when you stop exercising and then start again, those first few workouts are really fucking hard. (laughs) You're like, I hate this so much. And it's like when you're making a lot of decisions and then you, then you like stop and then you try to start again, you're like, Oh God, what if I make the wrong one? You know, like whatever. It's like, it's hard. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you just, it's like building up your self-confidence. Like we were just talking about the last question. This is all ties back to like keeping the faith a little bit and having a little believing in yourself that, you can make the right decision. And that like, also we are always going to be missing out on something in life because life is short. Yeah. I want to get to Alaska before it melts. (laughs) Like the truth is, is if I don't, oh, well, that doesn't mean I lived a bad life. You know? Well, I think so much of this that we're talking about comes down to two things, self-worth, which is like the insecurity piece and control. Like this, it's an addiction, you know, like it's this, this, particular brand of anxiety with OCD and decision-making, it's an addiction to get this dopamine of like, you made the right decision. And ultimately there isn't a right decision or a wrong decision. And another thing is just life optimization. We might not, it might not be like, there's an episode of master of none about this, of finding, especially in New York, like, I'm not just going to get a taco. I'm not going (laughs) to just get a frozen meal. I'm going to get the best frozen meal with the least amount of calories and the best taste. And it's like, sometimes, especially with food stuff, it's like, not every meal is going to knock it out of the park. There are going to be some meals that are just like lackluster, but you have to eat. We're like, a disordered eater is like, I would rather not eat than have something that I'm going to waste calories on or eating on to have something that's like not really, really great when like tomorrow I'm having this really, really great breakfast that Serena is going to make me, you know? So it's like, that is like, there's there's a self-honesty that has to come to this of like stressing and controlling we think will make us happy, but like we don't even realize we're, we're doing that. And 
it's really addictive, you know? This one gives me the warm fuzzies in general, but I was talking to my dad about this last week and I think I mentioned this to you. He was like, you know, the year that Babe Ruth set the home run record, he also held the record that year for most strikeouts. And it's something I think about a lot. And my dad, actually, he has like three one-liners that I always repeat to myself. And one of them is, success teaches you nothing. Mm. All big lessons come from failure. And this is may this may not seem like it directly applies to decision making, but it really does because like I've made so many bad decisions in my life, like so many. And like I've learned so much from those decisions and I feel like they've set me on such a positive course and like on huge levels, bad things that I did with men in my past have led me to be in a happy relationship with Logan and like <laughs> from my past book to her, like selling books in a dive bar, horrible decision. Like we'll not do that again. <laughs> but like all of those things, like on, on the best days have like, A, really cracked me up. But even on the worst days, I've been like, wow, I should not have made that decision or I should have chosen what was behind door number two instead of door number one. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like I always say, you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going back. And so like each decision, no matter how weighty it feels in the moment, you have the possibility to make the best of any decision that you Mm -hmm. make. Yeah. That's so good. And I think you brought that up about your dad last week because we had a we had kind of a fail together yeah. on like oh, we had a big on, a, pro- on a project. <laughs> we had like a fail and we both felt sad about it and we were both just kind of like bummer. And, but we learned from it and we're going to we be okay. And we're fine. And like, that's the thing is that I think we're all going to be okay. Is like the greatest truism on this planet. Like we're going to be okay. Yeah. And Can- like the, you make one bad decision or a million bad decisions. Yeah. You can always come back from them. Yeah. Exactly. We have more questions that we yes, can almost yes. do as quick fire. Can I ask you one question yes. though about decisions? So when you, just to really like land this whole plane with this yes. situation, for instance, I obsess a lot about, because I have so much freedom in my life, little choices of like, where should I go work today? This coffee shop or this yes. one, this or this. So this weekend I was doing that of like, I, I had narrowed it down to two coffee shops, which was weirdly big for me. <laughs> And I ended up choosing one and I ended up having like this great conversation with like someone like a a cute boy. And I met this like person I'd followed on Instagram for years and years who invited me to join her writer's workshop. And I was, I left that coffee and I got a lot of work done and my latte was nice. And I like, you know, I love drinks in this family (laughs) and I left and I was like, definitely made the right choice today, Katie. Good thing you didn't go to the other one. Oh my God. And I got so much dopamine from that. of like, that was a great situation. And the funniest thing is I I have this post-it on my computer right now that says, don't stress and try to control. How has that worked out for you? And the person who I met in this coffee shop, like it's so embarrassing. Like, I can't believe I have this on there, but he happened to like, look at that and be like, that's funny. And it like started this conversation. So it's so funny that I'm asking this question all about like, what if I went to the other one? Yeah. Like, could I have met a different blogger and a cuter boy? Like, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great, yeah, that's, it, you could have like sliding doors scenario. But that's what I, that's what was my question for you is like how, cause I feel like you're much in the journey of anxiety. You're my big sister. You're my like, 
expander that I turn to. So how do you, when you make a good decision, not let, let yourself get too much dopamine from that? Oh, because this is a perfect example. Okay. Have you ever loved an outfit that you've worn? Like loved it? Like been like, I look amazing. Totally. Yeah. And then five years later, you look at a picture and what the fuck were you thinking? Yes. <laughs> That's the perfect example. Okay. It's like, I don't get too much dopamine because I'm like, bitch, you could still get a gut check on this. One. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's a very funny, I've had also enough. And I think this is slightly a product of self-employment because there's so much mm-hmm. trial and error and there's, there's rarely anyone to be like, oh no, 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 don't do that. Right. And so like, I have done so many things in the past eight years where in the moment I'm like, this is a great decision. One other example I will give and then we will move on to the next question. I hired a production team. There were a couple of years where I d- used to do a very poorly produced YouTube show called Just the Tip. And it was just short kitchen tips. <laughs> and I hired a production team and we would rent a kitchen and they would film me. And so I was like, oh, she's, and they, they suggested that maybe I wanted to think of some another, you know, very short show concept. And I was like, great, great. Yes, I, I will do something. My idea was... <laughs> It was called Shut Up and Smoothie because a lot of my friends actually, I think smoothies are very hard to make. Like you can't just throw random shit in a blender. Mm-hmm. It does not always taste good. Mm-hmm. You're and very so good at it. I like came up the, with these smoothie recipes. <laughs> I was like, this is a great idea. And I pitched it to them and I don't know why they didn't catch it either. They were like, oh my God, yeah. Like I've made so many gross smoothies. It's a great idea. And then we got there and we started shooting the first episode. I've already bought the ingredients. I've already paid for the studio, yada, yada. And we realized that every episode is just me putting shit in a blender and turning it on. We're like, this is the stupidest idea for a show ever. But I think that like, again, it was very, at the time I was very annoyed because like what a waste of time and money. But like, sometimes great ideas, like what you think is a great idea is actually shit. And sometimes when you think you've like made the wrong choice or done something terrible, it is what explodes. Mm -hmm. Like it is, life is unpredictable. Like that's, that is, this is what helps alleviate my decision-making anxiety. And if you are, I think you have to be a certain type of personality, but if your personality is similar to mine and that it feels good, like I actually, I think where we differ slightly is like, I actually feel very calm when I know that I cannot control a situation, even if I want to, like the sense that it is completely out of my control actually gives me a sense of calm. Mm -hmm. So like, that's kind of how I live my life is with the, like, I can only control so much and whatever the, you know, I'm not really a spiritual person, but like whatever the universe throws at me, like, it's just going to throw at me. Well, it's all an illusion of control. Yes. Like all of this, can, like religion and spirituality, all it exists to like this fact that we can't control yeah. anything. We're all going to die is really crazy and intense. And so that's just something for people to clasp onto and, and works really well. And like, that's great. And I think, I don't know what I've just feel like this last year for me has been so many decisions that on the other side of like the good decision I make it of like picking the correct coffee shop, like on (laughs) with a bad decision, you know, you have to just learn and pivot. And like your dad said, like, that's how you grow. Like it would be so great if we grew from coziness and success and ease, but like we don't, we grow through the hard stuff and that's what makes us better. And this year has been so uncomfortable, but also so 
my cocoon year. Yes. <laughs> but also so much growth because I'm it's it causes a lot of self-awareness when things don't go well. And I'm kind of thinking we could do an entire episode on indecision and decision making too, because yeah, I feel like, like there's a lot for your to questions. We are now mapping out. Yeah. I think there's season. like actually a lot more to unpack here with this even. Also, I'm thinking now mid episode. <laughs> I'm thinking we're going to do this Q&A episode in two parts. So we're going to answer one more of these questions because we are, we have deep, we have deep dove <laughs> more than anticipated into these first two. And then we'll tackle the rest of them. Okay, week. great. This one seems kind of urgent. So, yeah, so we'll, I, we'll do this one. <laughs> I think it's important. Okay. This person moved to New York from somewhere else and they've been dating a guy from where they moved from mm -hmm. for three years and he's amazing. But after three years, she decided that he's not the one that she wants to marry. And so she's going back to her home state at the end of the month to break things off. And she has so much anxiety about being alone and not having him when things are tough and when she needs advice and when she gets lonely and she has anxiety about how to actually have this conversation and how he's going to react and actually do the breakup conversation, which isn't going to be fun breaking his heart. Oh, yikes. And she says that she wants advice for how to deal with this. So she's flying back soon. So let's, we, we said we would give her our best thoughts on this. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous too. I'm nervous for everyone involved. I, I mean, let's just let's just state let's, the obvious, yes, which is like this is a shitty situation. Yeah, this fucking for sucks. Yeah. yeah, like across the board. Mm -hmm. I have to say personally, I've I've only broken up with one person. Like I had a lot of prior to Logan. Keep in mind that like I started dating Logan when I was 23. Mm -hmm. I'd had one other serious relationship, and then a lot of like shorter term relationships that when they ended, it was not traumatic. But I broke up with my first boyfriend and this was actually before I developed anxiety, although I think I always had like latent mm -hmm. anxiety. And it was the worst because causing anybody pain yeah. is terrible. Um but I think and I definitely dragged it out for all the reasons that you've just stated is like you don't want to be right. alone and I think it's human nature to not want to be alone. But the truth is, is like Katie is living proof. <laughs> like, I don't know if no, I'm the best example. No, but like, I think like this year when, even when we started recording this podcast, it's like we started spending a lot of time together when you were very heartbroken. And I hate to say, you know, to spit out this cliche, but like time heals all wounds. And like, it's been, yeah nine months and, you know, not to say that you don't struggle with this anymore, but like, I feel like you've talked so openly about like how it's, you know, been a, a long road, but like you just said, you're, you've learned a lot. You're coming out the other side. And I think that dragging things out yeah. causes more pain. So I think you're doing the right thing. If you know that this is not the long-term relationship that you want yeah. to cut the cord and sooner rather than sooner later. rather than later it's like ripping off a band -aid. it is yeah i mean first of all thank you for saying i seem better <laughs> i'll say this it's not linear like i my old boss told me because i actually had a very similar at the similar age to this person i broke up with my college boyfriend and going back to our previous question on indecision i think 
a lot of this came from that. I knew, I knew he wasn't the one for me months and months and months before I had the tough conversation. And part of it was a decision of like, will I be okay being by myself? Is this the right decision? Life is delicate, man. Like if I break this off, I might've always regret this for the rest of my life and wonder what if with this person. And so I put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off until I finally had the very tough conversation and I cried a lot. And the reality is that like, it wasn't linear. Like I did go through a period after that where I missed him. I missed him for like a year after that yeah, for a full year. And this is the piece of advice my boss gave me. She was like, you have to go through all the seasons of being without someone because I'm also a very nostalgic person. And so you know, fall started here That's in New York. That's the most apt description. <laughs> it's so true. I'm so nostalgic. It's like a disease. It's like anybody that follows Katie on Instagram knows that yeah. she loves like old TV. I'm and... so nostalgic. I mean, I'm nostalgic for like earlier today yes. when we had toast like, an hour ago. I like miss that, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's really rough. But I, yeah, I mean, when fall came, suddenly I was like, oh, I miss the cozy things we did last year. It's yeah. very normal to like miss what happened a year ago. So just prepare yourself that it's going to be jarring and have a lot of extra self-care around you and have a lot, like tell your friends that this is happening because I really leaned on friends this year. And like you, you say here that you have so much anxiety about being alone. Well, I know you mean that in a more general way, but like literally after this, it sounds like you're long distance and I was long distance in my last relationship too, but like it will be jarring. You will not having someone know where you are at all times and someone to text and someone to just like give a shit about your every move when you had that and then suddenly you don't is going to be really intense and all your anxiety and depression and whatever mental health issues that you have will just rush right in. So have some extra support, like have a therapy appointment booked, tell your friends what you're going through, write about it, make art about it when you're ready to, but like know this about a breakup that it's the most universal feeling. Like it's yes. what people write songs about. It's what people make movies about. People write books about it, but it feels so incredibly lonely. Like I have never, I think it's, um, I haven't experienced a ton of death in my life. And I know losing people is so hard and challenging. And I actually lost some family members this year as well. But this breakup really, really shook me in a way that like felt like a death, but I don't want to say worse, but kind of worse because it's like, I know that person's right there. And I know that like, I could talk to him and he's choo we're choosing to not talk to each other. And that almost feels worse than like you were saying about things that are super out of your control where yeah. at death, it's like, well, that's over. Yeah. This, there's like, it's, it's not, there's an undoneness and it sounds like you really want to make this choice. And so you should do it because it sounds like your gut is telling you to do it. And it's the honest thing to do the right thing and have this conversation with this person, because ultimately you don't know exactly where their head's at. They might not right away, but they might eventually see this as, you know, a gift and they don't want to be yeah. with someone who doesn't want to be with them. So having that conversation as soon as possible with as much like empathy and compassion as you can for the person, but also, um, you know, just knowing it's not going to be fun and, and it's something also you have to do. Stay, I think the hardest part is if this is the decision that you've made, which is such a hard decision to come to in the first place. So I think the fact that you've actually made it and committed to it for, to doing the thing that you know is right for you is huge. But then also I, I would anticipate the struggle in standing strong in that decision, A, in the first conversation, because sure, 
yeah, it's it's possible that maybe he agrees with you, which I'm sure your ego would not take very well. Right. <laughs> but also he the flip of that is and what I think is probably more likely yeah. is that he will try to convince you to change your mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that because you do have this underlying anxiety about being alone, you will be very vulnerable and susceptible to his please, so to speak, to stay together and that this is the right decision. And like, I'm, I'm guessing he will try to change your mind. And so I think if you can sort of mentally prime yourself to stand strong in that decision and then know after the decision's made that he is probably, I don't know, even I was so young at the time, but like even after that first breakup, there were a lot of late night phone calls on both ends. And I was the, the, one who mm -hmm. broke things off. Like I definitely had my own panics in the months after that breakup where I was like, maybe I made the wrong decision <laughs> and like I miss him and whatever. I think it's normal to miss people, whether it's your decision to end the relationship or not. But I think that, you know, you're doing the right thing by going there in person. I think anticipatory anxiety, like we've talked about so much today, is the worst. So do know that as terrible as this is going to be, there is also a quote-unquote end in sight in the sense that once you do it, there is pain on the other side, but there's also relief in having actually had the conversation and maybe it will be as bad as you think maybe it will be worse maybe it will be better there's no predicting that but at least it will be over tough conversations are tough yeah. and they we have to have them and i'm a non-confrontational person i think this also speaks to like my want to be liked like i remember yep. i had this college or high school boyfriend who i would joke to my friends i'd be like my best friends was like, could you guys just like make out with him? Because I, <laughs> I want to have like a reason to break up with him. Cause I think I had like a crush on another person. And I was, I was totally serious. I was like, I mean, I, I just don't want to have that conversation. Like I, I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings. Totally. I want to be liked. I want to, I, a people pleaser. So I think this is hard for people who, you know, it's hard to, to have a hard conversation. That's, that's, that's what worst. I'll say. And then also like, just to, to hit your other point about what to do when you get lonely or will you ever meet someone again? And my cousin gave me this really great advice and in a good moment, I believe her, but like, honestly, even lately, like I've been really struggling with this because dating is hard. And like, people keep telling me, you know, when I'm feeling down, friends will say like, oh, you'll definitely meet someone. You're so great. And it's kind of like, thank you. But like, you don't know that, like, you don't yeah. know that. And I might not, and I might be single forever, even though I'm someone who really wants to be in a relationship and get married and have those things. Like I might never meet anyone who wants to be with me. And that's just being realistic about things. But it does feel my, what my cousin said to me was, was that every time she'd had a breakup and she's married now and she'd like, you know, got married older and she was like, every time I felt like it was for sure that I would never meet anyone again, but I always did. And so then after like the, and you're young who wrote in with this question and I haven't had much experience with breakups and heartbreak either. And so for me, I don't have proof in my life that like, I don't have experience with this. So it feels more intense the first time yeah. where my cousin, she's she was more resilient because she'd gone through it by like the third time she went through it. She was just she kind of like, else she was like, yeah, yeah, it happens. I'm going to meet someone. I'm fine. Yeah. Where like, I don't really have that. So it feels more intense. And I would also, the last piece of 
advice, thoughts, whatever, mm-hmm. is I feel the same way about relationships that I feel about your job. I think that we could all stand to make a better effort to not define ourselves by either one of those things. We have talked a lot about, in the professional sense, it is a current trend to be like, you have to do what you love and like, you have to follow your passion. (laughs) And like, this is a new fucking thing. A lot of past generations just wanted to make their money and retire. And that was... That was their passion. passion. And I think that it's so odd. Like sometimes a job can just be a job. And like if you are, you know, are passionate about your job, wonderful. But you also have to have other things in your life that fill you up. You can't put all of the pressure on your job to be your Mm -hmm. one life's passion. And same thing. You can't put all of your pressure on being in a relationship to provide your life's happiness. And I think that this is a, a wonderful opportunity, first of all to distract yourself by filling yourself up with other things that you love. And if you're like, well, fuck, I don't have any of those. This is an excellent time to find some of those things. But I think that, yeah, I I am always hyper-conscious of the fact that just in day-to-day conversations, like we are all so consumed Mm -hmm. with our profession and our relationship status. And there is so much more to life than either of those things. Yes. How often do people ask you like about dating and relationships and work. Like those are the main things we talk about in conversation, but I think it's so much more interesting to talk about other things. And it's, it takes more effort to think about. I think those are obviously the, the two things that are easiest to talk about. Cause I think they're the two things that everybody experiences. Like most people have a job and most people either are in a relationship or are not in a relationship, in which case they're willing to discuss Mm -hmm. that. But I do think what's so fun is like, especially when you have close friends or you meet people through a hobby that you have or something, it minimizes those conversations. And it doesn't mean that you're necessarily talking about rocket science. It's like, a lot of the conversations I have with my best friends are like about celebrity gossip or music or shows we've seen recently or books that we're reading or whatever. But that's a nice break because especially given our professions, we just talk about our jobs all the time. But yeah, I think that it's something that I challenge myself to do, which is really hard because it's so easy. I, I find myself, I go to so many weddings that I find myself like seeing people and being like, if I don't see their spouse in the immediate vicinity or their partner, I'm like, how's so-and-so or like, like, how's the new job when like, I'm like, you could ask them anything else. And so now I've been trying and sometimes it's hard. It's especially hard with friendly acquaintances. Cause you don't know much about right. their life. Like, I don't know if they like fucking goat yoga or painting or whatever to be yeah. like, how's goat yoga. But like, that's something you can, like, you can ask people about their interests and yeah. whatever. And I, but we're now we're just, Side noting, I just think in general, this is, this could potentially be a great opportunity to fill your life up with other things, especially because yeah. you're so young. And that's really what I've done this year. Serena knows this, but like I took an acting class. I've done so yeah. much travel. I visited friends that I like never thought I would go visit. I've signed up for things. I took class. I did all of the things. And I think that such a cliche after a breakup, but it's true for a reason because it's a time to 
so maybe just like know that this is going to happen. And that's, that's, I guess the pro of being, uh, there's a lot of pros, I think with being the, not that it's entirely easier, but being the person that's doing the breaking, you can plan for how it's going to be after. Yes. And so surround yourself with a little bit of extra self-care, a little bit of extra support with your friends, clear your calendar a bit or fill your calendar with really whatever nourishing works. things, whatever two, works yeah. for you. And, and anticipate that. I think that'll be useful for you. Yeah. And good luck. And good luck. Yeah. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, Feel free seriously. to write back for the, the next Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> we have more questions, but... We do, but we... I feel like we went deeper on those than we anticipated, but I also yeah. think that was great. And yeah. we, can, we can dive into these next ones yeah. next week. I just thought of something I want to say for the indecision. Should I save it for an indecision episode or should I say it now? Is it short? It's pretty short. Tell me. Okay. So we, uh, last week we were talking privately about personality tests, like the mm -hmm. Enneagram. Have you gotten into human design? No. At all? I, I've gotten pretty into it. I, I, I feel like it's made me feel more articulated than any of those other systems. And my, and so this might be something for all the decision people to check out human design or listen to my podcast about it. Because my thing with human design is needing to talk out a decision, not to get someone else's opinion, but to figure out how I feel about something. Ooh. And that has been very, very useful to me. I have like my friend Simi is someone I can do that with. I don't even really need her feedback, but she's able to kind of like reflect to me like, but you definitely are excited about this option or not. And that's been very useful for big decisions. So, Oh, that's yeah. great though. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Also, I feel like that's in theory, if people are afraid of, or they don't have somebody like a simi that they mm -hmm, can do this mm -hmm. with. Totally something you can do in therapy too. Exactly. And my this human design reader who's become a friend of mine who did my podcast, she was like, it's very, she uses me as an example whenever she's talking on other podcasts or in her work. She's like, I know this person who ha happens to be this way. It's pretty rare that journaling is really useful for this yeah. too because you can get you can get it out of your mind where the anxiety is and kind of sort through it and decipher what is true, what is not by, by seeing it. And so even voice recording helps for some people actually yeah. talking it out. Oh, I will say though, we didn't, we like totally did not mention that when we were talking about the first two questions, especially like therapy, therapy, therapy. Mm -hmm. If you are not in therapy and you are struggling with one of these things, it could be a game changer. Yeah. I think we kind of assumed in, assume on all of these questions that all everyone is already <laughs> in therapy. But if you're not, then that, that maybe is the first piece of advice followed by whatever we said. Yeah. <laughs> episode three, I think <laughs> something like that. Our episode yes. on therapy plus yes. what we just said. Exactly. Okay. High, higher, highest. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Uh, you, you go first? Yeah. yeah, you go first. Okay. My high, I think, is that I have gotten, I have two weddings in the past month, one next weekend, one two weekends ago. And the, they were simultaneously, the one I went to was so much fun. The one that's coming up, I'm so excited about. But I'm also so excited for wedding season to be over. So it's like a combined, yeah. <laughs> combined high. Higher is that it was Logan and I's two-year anniversary. Congratulations. On Monday. And we just like had like a wonderful weekend and we like went out to dinner to celebrate, but we also like rewatched our wedding video and we're like cracking up on Sunday. And it was just like a lovely 
birthday. Um, and then my highest is that I got my physical book this week. Woohoo! So that it's was beautiful. I was really overwhelmed <laughs> and very excited and mildly anxious to receive it. And I'm just like, we're so close. And I just, we're so close. Mm, okay. I just want to say before my highs, Serena's book is so wonderful and she poured so much into it. And I'm so proud of you. And it would mean so much to me, not even oh God, no, for Serena. No. <laughs> no, it would mean so much to me if people checked it out and got her book. Cause it's really great. And I just think that people should check it out because I, I don't even cook and I love it. And I'm, and I may start because of this book. So I'm just really Thank proud of you, you as your friend. Yes. And people should definitely check out the Dude Diet Dinner Time. We didn't even say the name. Oh, that is true. Yes. Available for pre-order and linked in the show notes. Because <laughs> I know you won't say it, but it's okay if I say it. Um, okay. my What if my high, higher, and higher? She's like, Serena's book. Yeah. Serena's book tour. <laughs> Serena's the best. Okay. High, high is honestly being back from my trip. Like I went on this very, very long <laughs> European trip. Like a, I don't even know think you should call it a trip. It was like a sojourn. Yeah, it was what? <laughs> a sojourn. What is that word? <laughs> <laughs> Expand my vocabulary, please. It's like a, in my mind, it's like a, a pil- not a pilgrimage, <laughs> but like a long, like an extended yes. trip in a sojourn. I don't know. I, I Now I can't Merriam-Webster like I was, describe it, but. We'll give it a Google after yes. this. I was gone for over a month and I left right after I like launched this new website. I threw this party that we jokingly called yes. my work wedding. And then the next day moved out of my apartment and went to Europe. And then everyone, when I got back, was like, how was your vacation? I was like, well, it was more of a trip, but now I'm going to use your word and say it was well, more. Well, no, I just Googled it. Okay, it great. Says, give us a definition. Says a temporary stay. <laughs> I think it's just That's a true. fancier word. For trip? <laughs> well, great. I like it. Yes. Thank you for my fancy. Yes, so my sojourn. sojourn. Yes. Yeah. I was in Paris, Berlin, London, and Amsterdam. And not that long of an amount of time. And then I came back to New York. I was staying at my best friend's place. And then I finally moved to my own apartment. And it feels so great to just like know where I'm going to be and be grounded for the next three months. So that's that's my high after a lot of travel, just like being done. And my hire would be just knowing what I'm going to do. I haven't had the conversation yet, but I made a big, which feels like a very adult decision in how I'm spending the holidays as someone who's not in a relationship and like was that we're, I can say this, we're going to do a whole holiday episode because there's so much anxiety around that. And I think not being in a relationship, which will cover like just made that feel harder. And so I'm happy that I like made as a decision. Totally. So that's my high. And then my highest, ah, uh, shoot. I don't know. Um, I guess my highest is, was it the two different types of jams that I've sent yeah. you in the past two weeks? You know, I love jam. <laughs> it was the jams and a plethora of just really great, um, fall drinks. Like I like, you know, I like a hot apple cider, you know, I like, uh, um, a latte. I told, oh, okay, quickly. Can I tell them about the oatmeal cookie latte? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've already gone so far over a time limit. There is the a, latte. there is a latte in New York city. I'm not even going to name names because I can't, <laughs> I can't condone it, but if people know it, they know it and that's on them. Um, it's just briefly, it's called the oatmeal raisin cookie latte and it is 
not good. It has an oatmeal <laughs> and raisin paste in it. And there's espresso where like, it's just a lot and it's hilarious. And I told Serena about it she and she like, laughed so hard. She was like, I'm going to get this. And I was like, ew. <laughs> Serena was like, that's the type of drink that the people working there are just like, okay, <laughs> we'll Whenever make you that. order it, they're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. It's a temporary thing on me- the menu of actually a place we really, really love, yes. both of us. I also but- just love that like you, it made me sad when Katie was upset that it was terrible because she was so excited about it. <laughs> and, I honestly, and I wanted it to be good for her. <laughs> There's even a part of me, I'm not going to lie to you, that's like, I might order it again because it's still <laughs> to make sure so good. It's yes, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, all right. We'll leave you with that. Um, we'll disclaim. We will just dis- yes. We will disclaim. Obviously, we cannot end without our disclaimer. Are we doctors, Katie? We're super not doctors. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, you probably gathered that from our conversation today. We are not mental health professionals or experts of any kind. We are just two friends sharing our experiences with anxiety. If you're struggling with your mental health, we strongly encourage you to talk to a professional. Therapy, therapy, therapy. We love therapy. We really do. And remember, if you are spiraling, you're not alone. You're not weird or damaged or crazy. And you don't owe anyone an explanation for your mental health. And we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Just one quick thing, you guys. This is Katie. And some of you might know that I also host my podcast, Let It Out, that I've been doing since 2013. And it's my favorite thing I've ever done. I've gotten to connect with people like Serena and the guests of the show and the people who listen to the podcast. And I now help other people start podcasts with a workshop that I made called Let a Podcast Out. And the last time I went through it, I decided to actually use the material and start a new podcast myself. And that is what you're listening now, Spiraling. So I'm launching this digital podcasting workshop again right now and you have a couple more days to sign up and I would love to have you if you've been considering starting a podcast or you have a friend that you might want to chat with and record it and share it like I do with Serena every week on this podcast I would love to have you so it includes nine audio lectures from everything from coming up with a concept to figuring out the technology and the marketing and the monetizing. I give you all the templates and trackers and management that we use for spiraling and for let it out to get guests and sponsors. Plus there's over 100 hours with interviews with top podcasters and producers who give their best resources and practices. And you can start it now and just do the first few modules for free. And you'll be able to get a lot of information just to get you started on letting your podcast out of your head and getting it into the ears of people who want to hear it. So if you've been considering maybe starting a podcast, I know it's really daunting and thinking about all the moving parts can be a lot. But like I said, having my podcast got me my book deal. It allowed me to meet my mentors and make friends. And it really made my non-recorded conversations deeper and more meaningful because I learned so much. But when I started, I was completely clueless. And my boyfriend at the time, who we talked about in this week's episode, us breaking up, anyway, he took the fear out of it because he just handled all the stuff that I didn't want to handle and really overwhelmed me. So if I can do that for other people, that's what I hope to do because there's just so much richness to podcasting. So if you've been considering starting a podcast, check out Let a Podcast Out. The link is in the show notes and also the link to Serena's book, 
the Do Diet Dinner Time is in the show notes. Pre-order it. Support the podcast. Support Serena. She poured so much into this book, and I'm so proud of her. She's the most talented chef, and I love eating her food and watching her cook her food on Instagram. And you know what? She might even inspire me to be someone who cooks in the future. I'll report back. But for right now, pre-order her book. I have it. It's beautiful. And I've gotten to see it in person. And I'm just really proud of her. So support the podcast by checking out some stuff that we made this week. And we'll see you next week. 